Hey church, it's good to be with you this morning. I'm excited about our location. You know, the scripture tells us in Zechariah, don't despise small beginnings because God can do so many great things through small beginnings. As a matter of fact, with these, these geese flying over, uh, it's it's kind of noisy out here this morning, but it is Amarillo, Texas. We're at 3535 Marsh Place. This is where the miracle on South Bonham Street began. Right here behind me, 10 years ago in September, we met here with Jack and Darla Carthel. Chris Craig set the meeting up and we started having church services in here. It was a, a cool place. As you can see, it's it's two-storied and, and the upstairs, Jack and Darla had plenty of toys for the kids. If you think about how young my kids would have been back then, you're talking about uh, Wade was eight years old, Bethany was six years old, uh, Emma was three years old, and Hadley hadn't even turned one years old yet. And we were in this, this house, the kids upstairs, we came downstairs and had, had worship services. And during the time of those, that worship, it was, it was small, it was a, a neat time together. We, we grew with one another in the Lord. But you know, one of the things that, that we really learned during that time is not to despise these small beginnings, to, to have a thankful and a grateful heart to know that the relationships that were being birthed at that time, those relationships were seeds. We talked about the seeds last week and just the importance of giving thanks for those seeds, having a thankful heart. You guys had Thanksgiving this week. Thanksgiving probably looked a lot different. For some of you, you were unable to get with your families. And for others, if you did get with your families, maybe it was via through FaceTime or something like that or, or Zoom. And, and here's the thing. Uh, this too shall pass. And we're going to talk about those small beginnings. We're going to talk about the importance of having the faith during those small beginnings to sow that seed. Many of you small business owners know exactly what I'm talking about. You stepped out in faith. You believed for something greater than yourself to happen. And that's what we've got to do during this time is keep believing for great things to happen through these seeds that are sown in faith. Don't despise small, despise small beginnings. You know, we were small, but we were happy. And, and no matter how big or small the miracle is, here's the, thing, we sh here's the thing, we should be willing to give thanks. I know for many of us, our Thanksgivings did look different, but I can remember back our first Thanksgiving on, on South Bonham Street. I can take it all the way back to, to even being here and, and meeting with a group of you at our house for Thanksgiving. Some of you will remember that, opening up my garage, and we grew to about 40 during that time. It's just, just great times. One of the funny stories about this house, I've just got to tell you, about our second meeting in this house, kids were playing upstairs. We had met the week before, Jack Carthel cooked steaks. Oh man, those steaks were just awesome. It was just, it, it was so much. Jack, I don't know why you don't cook steaks anymore for us. You know, I don't know what happened. But he cooked steaks for us. That first meeting was incredible. The second meeting, though, when we got together, it was a lot more formal. And Chris led the meeting. He even did the teaching. And at the end of his teaching, he took an offering. There were seven of us in this house, sitting in the living room, who gave an offering, a first fruits, if you will. And it's amazing where that offering, where that seed has gone today and what it's become and how it's grown today. But what, what I thought was kind of funny during the time is it was my family, it was the Craig family, it was the Carthel family, and two college students. So not much money was given. I thought it was funny that Chris would even ask. And he went around to each individual and said, put something in this. 
But today it's grown to this miracle on South Bonham and now we're so excited about what God's gonna do with us on Sundown Lane. You know, it was almost 400 years ago, church, that to the date almost, I believe it was November 11th, when the Mayflower arrived in the United States. And, and, and it's amazing to me that, that during that, that time of that Mayflower coming into New England, they missed their mark, things didn't look good, they lost so many people uh, on those boats, on those ships, and by the time they, they even landed on shore within the first year, many, many more family members would die. And, and as a matter of fact, the Native Americans in that day and time that, that were there who had planted the corn, that entire tribe was wiped out. But small seeds were sown. And through, through their willingness to come together and have thankful hearts, we still celebrate Thanksgiving 400 years later. Look, a nation was born through grateful hearts. It's so important for us to understand the size of the seed is not what makes the difference. The faith in the seed is what makes the difference. Lucy Smith said it this way. She said, one thing is indisputable, the constant attitude of looking long, longingly at what we do not have or looking thankfully at what we do have produces two very different kinds of people. I'm gonna be speaking to you this morning out of Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And so if you will, turn your Bibles there with me this morning and let's just look at that passage real quick. I've got Willis over here standing. He's, he's, he's got it ready for me so that I can read it to you. But let's look at this, Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now this is an interesting area right here because you have the Galileans who would be Jewish and you have the Samaritans who were not, all right? Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers. So here's a leper colony, that's what they called them. So it didn't matter where you were from, if you had leprosy, you went to the colony. You were just an outcast. They stood far away from him is what the scripture says. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. So that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice, he glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, well, hang on a minute, right? Were there not 10 who were cleansed? But where are the nine? Where, were there not any who found and returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. You know, it's interesting because normally the Jews and the Samaritans wouldn't have been together, but because of this disease, right, it didn't matter. They were considered lepers before anything else and, and by everyone else. And what brought them together, right, was this colony of leprosy. They were unclean. They were not fit for society. They were not worthy of the city gates, and the truth is, is simply this, that, that for us, Jesus is who has, has brought us together. And for, for many, some felt like they weren't worthy to come into the church. You know, and, and, and there's no doubt that, that many of you have come to us through brokenness, through a hurtful heart. Maybe you were sick. Maybe your family members were sick. Maybe we went out and visited some of your family members. I don't know how you arrived, but Jesus was the center point and is the central point point for us to connect together, right? It's amazing to me that it is the Samaritan who was grateful, who was thankful, who was humble, who was humble enough to simply come back and say thank you. 
There is no doubt that our attitude produces two very different kinds of people. Have we ever come back and said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our small beginnings. We're grateful for a place that provided a start for your miracles to happen. I'm grateful for this place, for the relationships that it would provide in our future. Those of you who I know through Jesus calling us together here in Amarillo, Texas, for for uh, birthing a life-giving, Christ-manifested, spirit-filled Bible teaching church. There is no doubt in life, no doubt in life, that as we follow Christ, He calls us together. He, he calls us to have a relationship individually and corporately. And in that environment, that's where we really begin to see Him move. You see, what type of person are we today, folks? Are, are we seeing all the negativity you know, uh, bad news sales. Uh, is that what we watch today? Or are we a grateful people for what we do have? You know, in America today, so 400 years later, uh, real life per capita income has doubled since 1960. That's amazing to me. Life expectancy has almost doubled from just a century ago. The average American is more prosperous than 99.4% of the world population. Of, of, for that matter, anyone who's ever lived upon the earth. In spite of such affluence, did you know that 67% of Americans say they're unhappy? Now, I'm going to come back to this, but I, I want you to hear me. That, that our heart attitude and our willingness to, to have an attitude of gratitude or an attitude of thanksgiving affects our destination. Where, what will look like 10 more years from now? See, there's two categories of people. There are givers and takers. They're lovers and fighters. They're optimists and pessimists. They're night owls and early risers. They're whiners and worshipers. You get to decide, but you can't be both. Maybe in spots and seasons of your life, you can be both. But, but the truth is, one is going to win over the other. So we have to ask ourselves, are we thankful? Do we despise small beginnings? Or do we believe that the small seeds that have been sown? Jesus said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there. And it shall be so, and nothing will be impossible for you. Do we believe in the impossibilities still to come as we continue to sow those seeds? Let's move to another location, and let's talk about how God grew this seed of faith. Church, here we are at 4909 Canyon Drive. Now, some of you will remember this place. I want to tell you something. You know, I was very disappointed when we uh, leased this building for a couple of reasons. The inside of this building was full. I'm, I'm talking about full of these computers, huge computers the size of these pillars out front. They went all the way up through the, through the roof and through the ceiling. And we, uh, a group from Plainview came down. We brought a bunch of cattle trailers in here. We tore it out. Um, we built a stage in here, which, by the way, the stage is no longer there, along with two closets. One of the funny things that happened here was uh, uh, the city would not approve a church to move in uh, for a couple of reasons. But the main reason was in the women's restroom, it was a one-holer, what we called a one-holer. It just had a, a toilet in there. So we had to come in, and, and Chris, myself, Chris's dad, came in, and we busted another hole in the cement. Uh, dug it all the way out through this building and uh, had to lay the pipe and everything else. And as we did that, uh, uh, the city came in and inspected us 
and let us fill it in with cement and that's that bathroom is still there today and so it's a women's bathroom and the women's bathroom here just so you know actually has two toilets in it the men's is still the same as it was just only has one hole another funny story that happened in the bathroom here is one sunday one monday morning I was cleaning it out and, and uh, one of the kids decided that they would go to the bathroom in the corner of the bathroom. And so there was, there was stuff everywhere. I was so frustrated. Another thing that happened here is some of you will remember we had overheads. We had an overhead projector 10 years ago right here in this building and we've got this overhead projector and somebody's got to run it. Allison would lead worship. I would go to the kids' city area. Now, this building only has 3,000 square feet. So if you think about 3,000 square feet, we had 60 chairs in there. We had built this uh, stage area. And um, so Allison would be on stage with a couple of college students. She would lead us in worship. I would be in the kids' city area, which consisted of one nursery, a little gate, and on the other side of the nursery were kids who were big enough to take care of themselves. So they had to take care of themselves. When Allison got done with worship, she would come in there, she would take uh, Kid City, and then I would go in and start preaching. And that was this building, 4909, uh, right here on the Canyon E-Way. Uh, it's noisy, you can hear the traffic going by me. I just wanna tell you, I really started getting an ungrateful heart here. It wasn't healthy for me. It, it, it wasn't where I needed to be. I, I, I got depressed, I got disappointed. I was wondering what God was gonna do. I mean, here we are in an old tectile building. I felt like we were given too much money for it. It was 2000 a month, which really was not bad at all. But I had to learn, I had to relearn what it meant to be grateful, what it meant to have a thankful heart, and, and what it meant that, that God put us here to grow our family. It was the next steps. And throughout the course of your life, one, I want you to know, uh, a view is going to dominate the course of your life. It's either going to be a view that is, that is not thankful, that is not grateful, or it will be a heart of gratitude, right? You're either going to have a heart of gratitude or ingratitude. That's just the way life, life goes and sometimes seasons in life. I was very disappointed, but I want you to know that God notices our heart and our heart attitude. And when I started giving thanks, when, when we were about to go to two services in this building, I realized God is really making a move here. This is going to be an incredible time. So that seed of faith was starting to build. It was starting to grow. The women were willing to wait outside their own bathroom. It was a great time. You know, one of the stories I like to talk about is the famous hymn writer, uh, Fanny Mae Crosby. Many of you probably know her story. She wrote Blessed Assurance. She wrote over 1,500 hymns, uh, but she was blind. A doctor made a bad decision. He applied a hot compress to an eye infection. It spread. It caused her to lose her vision back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. But here's, here's the deal. She basically, in her autobiography, she said it seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I, should, that I should be blind all my life. And I thank Him for my blindness. Now think about that for just a moment, church. How can we thank God for our blindness? You know, I thank God that I was blind to some things while I was here because when I saw Him start to move, I believe He blinded me to what could be and, and, and the possibilities of what if we don't make it to a place of realizing we've got a future. This thing's growing. It's doing great. And so I'm glad that, that he in some ways blinded me to, to the impossibilities and he began to show me the possibilities as I began to give him thanks. Fannie Mae 
Crosby, she said the difference that it made in her heart was a, a grateful heart would prosper her. And with a grateful heart, she was able to write the words of the goodness and the graces and the mercies of our God. You see, the difference between having a heart of gratitude or ingratitude brings us to a place of either living life or squandering life. That's really where it goes. As we move now on to our next location, remember uh, some of you joined us, the Tulia group, you guys joined us right here. And you can remember what I said, go get the blessing of your pastor. And if you're called to be a part of us, then come on. And you guys have helped us grow. Some of you from Happy showed up at that time. The stock has helped us move from here over to the South Bonham Street. Incredible seeds were sown here for our future. Church, here we are in our uh, home place now, right? The Miracle on South Bonham, 4808 South Bonham Street. What a great place to be. I'm so grateful for what God has done, even in this facility. This is 16,800 square feet. It may still seem small to many of you out there, but for us, it's provided a home. It's provided relationship. It's provided ministry. It's provided discipleship. It is a wonderful, wonderful place for us today. And we've just seen God move through this place. He's changed it up. Completely, fortunately, we now have a kid's city area or a connection kids area where there's so many uh, ministries that happen in that area. Even throughout the week, we have different groups that meet here throughout the week. And ministry, discipleship, it just continues to thrive here on 4808 South Bonham. It was a neat story how this, how this came about. You know, we, we basically got a phone call from a friend of mine who said, Curtis, I've got an old church that has pews in it. It has orange carpet. It has orange pews. It has uh, high ceilings. It, it's just an old antiquated church. But he said, look, you guys could, could take my contract and get into it for, $20, for $21 a square foot. And I said, well, do you have the keys? Let's go look at it. So we came over. We walked through here. The south wing was condemned, but the rest of it was basically move-in ready as far as having a church. Of course, it faced the other way. You've heard the story. But throughout the years, it's gone through a complete remodel. And it's wound up being just a wonderful place for us. And I hope that we're all grateful. I hope that we're all thankful because of the many relationships we've established here. And it makes me look forward to our future out on Sundown Lane. Because as we pursue that and, and God continues to grow us up, it provides more space for more relationships, for more kingdom work to be done throughout Amarillo, the Texas Panhandle, and throughout the world. So let's continue on. You know, uh, I can tell you that over, uh, over the last 23, 25 years of ministry in my own life, that most depression, most gloom, most anxiety, most of those are, are caused by a heart of ingratitude. Most sins that are plaguing and devastating our society today, church, can be traced back to a root of ingratitude or possibly even a root of entitlement. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the apostle Paul, he jumps right out there and he says, so all of us who have that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. One of the versions says it this way, as we are transformed into his glorious image. Now, let me tell you, a grateful heart, a thankful heart has a glorious thing about them. 
People who are grateful, people who are thankful, there is a glory that shines from them because I believe our God is a very grateful, a very thankful God. He loved us as his creation. He created us in his image. And we too should express his image through glory in our attitude of thanksgiving. I mean, thanksgiving is what enters the courts of praise, right? It's our thankful and grateful heart that, that, that have, have the ability to transcend uh, from us into others, to transcend from here into the heavenlies, that we reflect God's glory as we walk with him and as we have grateful hearts. Life can be tough. We all know this. Life can throw all kinds of things at us and cause us to become ungrateful. But look, our heart belongs with Jesus. It's an eternal thing when we participate in God's glory through thanksgiving. So I want to talk to you just, just briefly here about three things that, that, that we need to be aware of in order to carry his glory to a people, to a world that need to see his glory. As a city sits on a hill, we ought to shine the glory of God. And that happens through a thankful and grateful heart. Because we know ungrateful people don't have a glory about them. It's usually doom and gloom, right? That's the opposite. So let's talk about how we can carry this glory. One is a humble heart. A humble heart is where we start. Because in a humble heart, that means that we're willing to allow God to mold our heart. A grateful person is a humble person, while ingratitude will begin to reveal in you a prideful heart. The scripture tells us that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when we walk in his grace, we walk in his mercy, we walk in his likeness. And as we do that, church, we reflect his glory. The more humble we are, the more the fragrance of God flows through us and, and onto others. People love to, to be around humble people. They, prideful people tend to, to turn people a different way, tend to, to steer people away from themselves because it's all about me, myself, and I. And usually a prideful person never has enough. And that's what creates in them an ungrateful heart. God calls us to be humble. Henry W. Beecher, he said it this way. He said, a humble mind is the soil of which gratitude naturally flows. A humble mind. And what does the Apostle Paul remind us about our mind? That we are to renew our mind daily in the word of God. Romans chapter 12. Henry W. Beecher, he also says this. He says, a proud man, man is seldom a grateful man. For he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. Have you ever thought that... Uh, who the humble people are around us. You, when, when I mention humility, uh, thankful people, grateful people, where do you see humbleness happening throughout our culture today? You know, I see a lot of people who serve. There are a lot of teachers who, who sign up to come and teach our children here in the church, but there are a lot of teachers in the public school system that are very humble, that are there serving our children helping raise our children, spending time with our children. There are many teachers that I know would give their life for their classrooms, and oftentimes they do. I think of, of people who are, are public servants through health care, our health care workers. And as I think of our health care workers, uh, I, I think of how busy they are today, many of them working 60, 70 hours a week. 
to provide care for those who are fighting COVID, pneumonia, and, and, and all other types of, of injuries and all other types of infections. They put themselves out there on the front lines in our hospital. I'm, I'm grateful for those of you who are working at BSA and Northwest and at the VA and, and even at the clinics around town. You guys make a difference. You are a humble person willing to give your life for the sake of others. I think of policemen and law enforcement, the, the deputy sheriffs and the sheriffs. I think of our city leaders who are having to make difficult decisions today. You know, our community and, and our country is so divided over decisions that leaders are making, being forced because there's a plague among us. And we need to pray for them. I think of our firemen, our EMTs, our first responders that are out there, humble people who are willing to put their lives out there. Jesus said, greater love hath no man that he would lay his life down for his friends. You know, that's, that's who first responders are. I think of our first responders here in the church. I think of, of Brett. I think of Amy. I think of, of Renee. I think of Joshua. I think of Eloise and, and Willis, and I hope I've thought of all of you, but they're first responders in the line of what we do, and then all of you who come in and lead ministries as well here at the church, we are so grateful for each and every one of you. You see, as long as we're grateful for one another, God can, can do immense things through us. We'll continue to see miracles, signs, and wonders right here on 4808 South Bonham. And he will continue to grow us because his glory will shine that much brighter. A humble heart will bring that. You know, another thing it leads me to think about is, is those who are God-centered versus self-centered. It's the same with, with pride and humility, it, when we talk about being God-centered versus self-centered, have you ever thought about why you get up in the morning? I hope it's for God's purpose. Lord, what are you going to do with me today? How can I best serve your kingdom? You know, a grateful person is God-centered, while an ungrateful person is usually self-centered. Ungrateful people are bent on satisfying themselves. What can I do for myself today in order to make me happier, in order to build my own kingdom? Gratitude has the power to move you from a place of being selfish to a place of being selfless, church. It's a path. You know, there are two common outcomes of ingratitude. An ungrateful person will usually be judgmental towards God, be somewhat cynical towards God, be frustrated with God if there is a God. But, and, and, and it usually leads them to a place of moral impurity, that they don't even care about their moral standards. Because they're so selfish, they just want to supply and to fulfill their own needs. That's a prideful heart. It's a dangerous place to be. There is no humility in it. And you're not thinking about God in a positive sense or what he's done for you just to give you your life that you have. Judgment of God. A person wrapped themselves up is, uh, uh, in judgment in that way. They're prime bait for the tempter to come along. He thrives on accusing God of being unfair to come into your life and, and, and he'll try to convince you that God is holding out on you. The tempter wants you to be somewhat entitled so that you don't see God at work among you or among others or among the church. It'll lead you to a place of being impure when you are self-centered because you're always wanting to fulfill your own desires and you'll no longer deny yourself, take up your cross, 
and follow Jesus daily. And the third and final thing this morning is having a thankful heart versus a complaining one, which is a little bit about what we talked last week about. A grateful heart is revealed by thankful words. You can express and begin expressing a grateful heart through just being thankful in your words. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you need to evaluate where your heart is this morning, church, then start listening to the words you say because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's a good way to get a measure on where your heart is. Psalm 107.1 says, Give thanks for the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. Can we be grateful for that? Could we be thankful for that? The Apostle Paul in prison stated these words, and yet I am full. Wow, so he didn't allow uh, life's circumstances to tell him what he lacked. As a matter of fact, he spoke into it and he said, even in this situation, even through this circumstance, I am yet full. You know, Today, I'm going to end. Last week, I started at the cemetery. And it's interesting in that message, and as I talked about that message and that seed that was sown, it was a seed that, that has been sown for generations upon generations. The church has come alongside of my family and loved my family for years and years and years, long before I was ever born. But, of course, my mother was a person who was very grateful for her life. She said these words. uh, She said, "Um, though I have ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, it does not have me. I am grateful for my time. And, you know, God gave her far more years than doctors did. Doctors said one to three years, 17 years later, she was still with us. There was a time when I didn't know if she would know my kids, and she was able to hold every one of them. So I'm going to let my mother... And this video that was done a handful of years ago, four or five years ago, um, expressed to us what gratitude should look like.